0: with that, but I, I wanted to start with this story. So uh, last night, Jen comes down, my wife Jen comes down uh, from uh, putting the girls to bed, and she's like, I feel like a crazy person. And I go, "What?" she's laughing. I'm like, what's up? She says, I'm trying to explain to the girls daylight savings time, and I, like, I feel like I'm insane now. She goes, trying to explain, because the girls thought that we were just ma- messing with them to get them to go to bed early, right? <laughs> And so Allie and Christy just simply did not believe the fact that, no, I know it says eight, but it's really nine. That, just, that, that was really just messing with their brains. And so they're like, Mom, that's not true. You're just trying to get us to go to bed early. It's spring break. We don't have to go to bed early, right? Jen's like, no, it's, we do this twice a year. They're like, twice a year? Can you just imagine? <laughs> this is like a Saturday Night Live skit going on up in the girls' room. And finally the girls go, one of them goes, who makes us do this? <laughs> and Jen goes, the government. I don't know. <laughs> so Jen walks down, going, "I have no idea what's going on." I'm just, I feel like so, and I bring that up because what I'm going to talk with us about tonight can sometimes feel like that from maybe my position, and I hope I do a good job of presenting it. I'm going to talk tonight about a theology of generosity, and um, if you're new to New City, um, the best way I know to talk about money is just to talk about it. All right, and just about what the scriptures say. Uh, because money is a is a mess for a lot of us, and anytime you talk you hear the word theology, we have to start with God like a lot of times our theology of things get um, formed and shaped by what we think, what we feel, or about our circumstances, and oftentimes we try to change God to fit into our experiences, our current circumstances instead of us being the ones that are moldable and allow our lives to change to fit with God and so what I you're going to get some Matt's opinion tonight. Can't escape that. I'm sorry, right? But I'm going to do my best to stick to the scripture as our foremost authority, which is always a good place to stay, right? And so in your, when you think about your finances, um, I hope that you don't get aggravated at me tonight. I want you, if you get aggravated at anybody, to get aggravated with God, because God can handle it, right? But here's the thing. Um, we, we've been in two months of, uh, you don't know this, but I, I set out a two-month series, The Rest of God and Now We Greater Than Me, because there's two words that I hear way too often, and it's the two words are, I can't. And so the way that I felt like I needed to attack those two words by, were by talking about things that those two phrases are typically the response of. And so oftentimes I talk to people who are simply exhausted, burnout, tired. And I asked them, hey, how, what's your rhythm? Like, how are you taking a day off? And the response is, oh, Pastor Matt, you don't understand. I can't. Because that doesn't mean that they're working at their job seven days a week, but the days that they're not on the clock, they're doing other things that they feel the pressure and the responsibility of, whether it's things at the house or following your kids all over God's creation, whatever it might be. And this idea that I'm going to take a day and as a Sabbath, that I'm simply going to rest and and spend time with the Lord and simply let my body and everybody just kind of chill out. Of my, I can't is what I heard. And so that's why we went into the rest of God several weeks ago. The other one that I hear actually more than the rest is when people come to me talking to me about their finances and they're struggling with their budget, they're str- struggling making their bills, they're asking for a church to help them uh, financially assist them. Uh, sometimes they ask me if I can help personally uh, financially help them uh, get through this tough spot that they're in. And I'm okay with those things and the church does that sort of thing uh, quite a bit actually. We have a compassion ministry. But the reason when I begin to press in about hey, what is your plan going forward? Like what tell me what your uh, theology of generosity like well, I can't. Well, why don't you tell me what your generosity as Well, I'd like to be generous, but I just can't. And they tell me, and so like, here's the thing, y- you can, right? You-, you can. And that's where I want to get you to-, to talk to that. My heart is yours. That's a song we just sang, right? And so tonight, um, giving much as Sabbath is a heart issue more than it's a wallet issue or a bank account issue. Now, you may not believe me just yet, but uh, I'm going to do my best to kind of walk you through that. So let's start here. The first thing first. The first thing that we talk about when we talk about a theology of generosity is God is generous, first and foremost. Like uh, You have to uh, come to the conclusion in your own mind that God is a generous God. And you may not be there yet. I'm just going to give you one scripture that talks about God's generosity. It's the most famous scripture in the New Testament. It's John 3.16, right? It's up on the screens. It says this, For This is the way God loved the world. This is Jesus speaking. He gave his one and only Son, So that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. k pop quiz. For this is the way God loved the world. What did he do? He what? He gave. It's not God loved the world this way, that he asked you to give your son. He asked you to make a greater sacrifice. He asked you to put in extra work. God loved you so much that he gave something for you. He gave his son, Jesus. And Jesus was extremely generous, right? We're going to celebrate tonight at the end by taking communion, reflecting on Jesus' great generosity to us, right, by giving his life but he was generous in his life. And so we serve and we start with a, that God is a generous God. He loves to give, okay? Now, the next one may throw you off, okay? Because the next part of this theology that I want to walk you through is that you are generous, right? You are generous. Now, I, I, I didn't misspeak. I didn't mean to say you want to be generous. I'm saying that you, at your core, are generous. Now, you may not feel that way, Right, you may feel like you're not generous at all. You wish you could be more generous or you wish you were maybe you feel like you're honestly a stingy person and you wish you weren't but you are. But here's here's where I'm going to go at you. Look at Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, "Let us make human beings in our image." to be like us. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. If God is generous, and then God creates us in in, in his image to be like him, then guess what? There is something within you, in your very DNA, in the core of you, that is also generous. Now, I want to give you something that I journaled this week as I was preparing for you. Uh, I just want to read it to you. Uh, And so... This is like my quote. I know it's weird to quote yourself, but I wanted you to read this, all right? This is what I feel like is my responsibility. It is not my responsibility to put generosity inside you this afternoon. That's not what I'm about. My responsibility is to understand that you have it, that it's there. It is my responsibility to pull it out of you because you were created in the image of God. It doesn't matter if you're a little kid or you're really, really old. It doesn't matter where you fall on the age scale. It doesn't matter what your income level is. It doesn't matter if you barely get by month to month, week to week, day to day doesn't matter what your career path is. It doesn't matter if you're broke or you're just overflowing with wealth. There is this DNA in you of, of God who has put that you are a generous person. And man, we got to let that thing explode. But again, it's a heart issue. Here's the thing that stops the generosity flow. You've bought into some fake news. How many of you guys have heard that term fake news? This is a new term. This, is like, this term is like a seventh month old term and everybody knows it, fake news. It's comical, right? Like I, don't, I can't read or watch anything anymore. I just don't believe anything that I read, right? Here's the fake news headline that we've bought into. It's this, it's on the screen. The fake news headline is this. If I give to you, I won't have any for me. And this is an ideology that's been passed down forever. Think about your first job. Can you, some of you think back that far? Look at your neighbor and tell them what your first job was. Come on. Do you remember the amount of your first check? Somebody anybody remember that, your first check? Who, who, who remembers getting their first check and going, wow, that's a lot of money? Or going, what? Who, who, what, are, what is FICA? What is this? Who is this person, right? I don't even know FICA. Did you meet FICA? I didn't meet FICA, right? Um, here's what I bet you weren't told. Now, some of you may have grown, grown up in homes where your mom or your dad... Uh, taught you about generosity, they taught you about giving uh, maybe a tithe was a word they used or giving a percentage away. Most of us didn't grow up in that home, right? Most of us grew up in the home that when you got your first check and you brought it home, one of your parents or your whoever you kind of lived with said, don't go blow that money. You need to save it, right? You need to put it back. <laughs> Saving this like when I was a teenager, the big thing, I and mean, the you young guys aren't gonna connect with this, some of you are gonna laugh as soon as I say it, when I was a teenager, it was you could pay a dollar and join a CD club. All right? You can buy the CD club, and you, for, if you join, they would send you like 10 CDs, right? And then, and then they had you. You were, you guys, how many of you guys did that, right? Oh, so stupid. So stupid, right? Chad Raider still listens to his CDs. Um, NXS, Backstreet Boys, he loves it. You know? Bye, bye, bye. Anyway, that ideology, that thinking is a scarcity mentality. Okay, that's a scarcity theology. It's this, here's my coffee, okay? And it's me not choosing to share my coffee with you, pretend that you would want to drink after me, okay? Because I can't give you my coffee because what happens if everybody wants a drink? Well, then I'm not going to have any. And it's the same thing with our time. It's the same thing with our finances. It's not that we don't want to. Like, I don't want you to go thirsty and I don't want you to fall asleep during my teaching, but if I give you my coffee, then what coffee am I going to drink during this next video? And what am, what am I? It's a scarcity theology that is in direct conflict with the true news, with the gospel of Jesus, that God never runs out. Now, if you think that God is going to resource so that you can build your kingdom, that is also poor theology. What I hope to show you is that God will resource, when, resource you when your objective is to build his kingdom, not your own. Right? Now, you may not be there yet, Right, but let's we're gonna build on that. So let's watch this video. If you were in the city group this week, or maybe even in one of your discipling groups, we watched a video called I Like Car, and it's so good that we're gonna watch it again uh, on the Sunday uh, worship time. And here's what I want you to be looking for. I want you to be looking as you watch this. Who was the most generous person in this video? Okay, and also I want you to pay attention to the license plate. Okay, just because it's fun. So with that, can uh, we watch uh, I Like Car? So who was the most generous? Isn't that good? All right, like a good, good, good story. Did you see the license plate? Kansas is a Kansas story. Uh, Catherine lives in Wichita, and uh, she's actually praying for all of us this weekend as we shared her story, and I thought it was fun because we know that the most generous people live on the Kansas side of Missouri. I mean, the Kansas City, not Missouri. just wanted to reflect that. But I um, always got to poke, right? I can't leave things alone. But um, who was the most generous person in that story? God was the most generous, right? Um Catherine. Yeah. Yeah. How much did Catherine give? She gave it all, right? Now, the other folks did a a great, fun, generous thing by buying her a car, but she gave all of it away to someone that, you know what? I think Catherine was a believer, right? She prays for people. Uh, You know, I think she understood the scripture that true and undefiled religion is caring for the widows and orphans, and she met one, right? And here she is saving for something that is not a bad thing. She's trying to save money for her car that's broken. Has five grand, and she and she gives it away. Right, man, what kind of faith is that? What I loved about it is her honesty. Also, was saying, "Did I do the right thing?" Right, that man that I was going to use that for my car, and I simply gave it away. Fake news would tell you, man, she did a bonehead move. She did something. But in God's economy, it works completely different, right? When you step out and we're generous towards the things that God asks you in your heart to do, right? then, man, he is never going to let you down. I want to give you some scriptures this afternoon. Proverbs 11, 24. See how this goes in direct conflict with the ideology that many of us have of scarcity, that I will run out if I'm not careful. I better protect my income because it's going to run out. Proverbs 11, 24 says, One person is generous and yet grows more wealthy, but another withholds more than he should and comes to poverty. A generous person will be enriched, and the one who provides water for others will himself be satisfied. That makes no sense. I mean, come on, right? I know you're in church, and, oh, it's in the Bible, so I have to nod my head yes and say amen. Right? But that, that makes no sense, because that's not how we operate. We operate in the world where if I give, how is that going to make me more wealthy? No, I get more wealthy by having interest build up and uh, continue to increase increase. And then one day, I get to retire, and I get to live on a beach with palm trees and coconuts in a Speedo. I not know, that's my dream. Okay. <laughs> Now, this next one is, is the... And that's really not my dream. I need mountains. Keep the speedo, but mountains, no palm trees. Um, <laughs> I told you, it's 5 o'clock. All right, so somewhere. Um, this next passage is one that a lot of uh, pastors use as the go-to scripture to get you guys to tithe. Okay? And I'm not, that's not my point of it, but I do want to make an observation. It's Malachi chapter three. I encourage you to read, this is the last, not in, um, not in, um, gosh, uh, order, what do you call it? Chronological order. It's not the last book of the Old Testament, but in your Bible it is the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter three. I would encourage you to read this because it's a really interesting chapter, but this is what it says. Bring the entire tithe, and I put in parentheses 10%, because words are important. And sometimes I think we might be guilty of saying, oh, I'm a tither, which that's your way of saying I like to give. But a tithe is when you give 10% of your income. So if you give 5% of your income, that's great, but it's not a tithe. Okay, so words are important. So here God says, bring the entire tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my temple. This is one of the few times in Scripture, if not the only time, where you see God saying, test me, try me, I dare you. Test me in this matter, says the Lord, who rules over all, to see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until there is no room for it all. Then I will, I love this one, because he just talked about returning your blessing to you, but now he's going to talk about the things that you actually oversee. Now, you, I know very few of you are farmers, if anyone, but think about what you oversee. Think about your, uh, your if you're in sales or uh, your campaigns, your, your, whatever it is that you kind of have responsibility over, where there's always obstacles, right? Like we're in charge of doing stuff. Notice this, talking again about this, bring the entire tithe. Then I will stop the plague from burning your crops and the vine will not lose its fruit before harvest, says the Lord who rules over all. All nations will call you happy for you are, for you indeed will live in a delightful land, says the Lord who rules over all. Now that's not Matt Miller's interpretation of Malachi 3.10. I just read to you Malachi 3.10. You get to unpack it as an adult on what you should do with that. I want to give you this other thing that I journaled this week. Would you guys read this with me a little, a quote from me? Uh, it's maybe not the next slide, but the next one. Here we go. I'm not presenting Malachi 3.10. Uh, I'm not presenting the tithe as a command from God. I am, however, making the observation that the Bible presents only two percentages. You can read this for yourself. You can do your own research. There's only two percentage points in the Bible, either 10% or 100 that's the only two, like you, you won't find in scripture anywhere where someone says you should give 3% or that you should give 25% or 73%. You see the 10% over and over. And so on the back of your insert, I gave you a, a, some uh, other scriptures that mention the tithe. Again, I'm not commanding you on this. Okay. I'm just making this observation that I think is really important for you to see. My observation would be this, as you're being thoughtful on how you choose to be generous, I would say you might consider allowing your amount to fall somewhere between 10% and 100. Because that's the two percentage points that you find in the scriptures. Some of you have said to me in different ways, in different occasions, Matt, the tithe is an Old Testament idea, it's not a New Testament teaching. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. If you want to be like to the letter, true. Because Jesus doesn't ask for 10%, he asks for all. And so if you want to give 100% of your income away, fantastic, right? But I think starting out with 10% would be a safe, good place to begin this journey, right? Now, to do that scares the snot out of most people on planet Earth, right? Again, because, Matt, if I do that, I'm going to run out. I'm going to run out if I begin to do this. And that's what I would say, do you trust God enough with what he says in his word, right? Right? And I would invite you, honestly, I would invite you to do your own. Like, you're going to see another scripture here in a second where, you, where, it's, where you're going to hear me say and read, uh, decide in your heart. But I want to give you two tithing truths, okay? These are two tithing truths. Number one, making more money has little effect on increasing your generosity. Meaning, if somewhere in your mind and heart you say, well, once I get that promotion or once I do this or once my income gets to this point, then I will start tithing. Here's the truth, it won't you'll just spend more money. Instead of getting the Jeep Wrangler, you'll get the Jeep Rubicon, right? I mean, you'll get bigger tires or you'll get the the new furnace. I mean, there's always something's going to break, right? And you'll end up getting... Here's another one. God's favor always follows. And I think this is the most important one. Here's what we want. And if I get a little riled up, it's just because I, in my position, so many people talk to me about their financial woes and it's because they're doing money their own way and they refuse to go God's way. And I'm not talking about people who are far from God. I'm talking about church people. I'm talking about people who've been in church most of their life and they're like, hey, I'm struggling with this. Well, have you tried on God's way or are you still kind of doing your own economic system on what you choose to give? Because I was, I was talking, this is what I was thinking this afternoon. Because this morning, you know, there's this pressure and I'm not whining, maybe a little, but there's this pressure from this position where I have to present sometimes harder things. And, when I get off the pulpit, I'm like, oh man, did I say that too hard? I mean, I I just beat myself up, right? My insecurities kick in. I really blew that. But but here's what I I see often, is you have three buckets. You have the bucket over here that says, I'm going to do whatever I want, okay? And then the third bucket, we're going to skip bucket two. The third bucket is the bucket that says, I'm going to do exactly what God says. We typically land in bucket two, which is I'm going to form my own thing with a little bit of what I want to do and a little bit of what God wants to do. And somehow think that somehow God is going to bless it, just like if I was in bucket three. And so we live in bucket two, spiritually spinning, right? What it is that we want to do, but just enough that we think God will be okay with it. We'll sneak one by, oh God, right? But then you get frustrated when we don't receive all of the windows of blessings from heaven. Because it's really scary. i must be honest with you. It's scary to go to bucket number three and completely just trust God and what God says. Like going back to the Sabbath, you mean you want me to take a full day off and not try to work business deals? Yeah, that's what he says. You want me to give, and again, I'm not commanding. I'm just making the observation of scripture. You want me to give this percentage at least of my income away? Now, I will say this because um, I've done this long enough to understand that there are pastors who take advantage of people and their money, all right? And so here is my... Getting off the hook thing. If the I can't be the reason that... If like if you're even considering this, then somewhere in your head you think, oh, this is just Matt making a money grab. This is just that pastor trying to get more money to build this new city thing. Here's what I love, right? This chubby, bald guy won't be the excuse that you're not going to be generous. So until you can trust me and maybe New City with giving that tie to that percentage that you decide on, give it somewhere else. Give it to the family on the street that you're maybe a neighbor... Give it to somebody that you work with that you know is struggling. Give it to a charity that you love and want to support. And I'm going to work, honestly, I'm going to work to earn your trust so that when you give here, you can give here with a smile and trust us. But I'm okay if you're not there yet, right? We're not hiding anything. We don't have, we don't, we're not got any shady business deals that I'm aware of going on, right? But until you're ready to trust us with that, I can't be the re- oh, well, once I trust you, then I'll be generous. No, 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 you start now. You give it away to someone else. You bless somebody. Maybe you're sitting beside them tonight. Don't give it to your wife. That doesn't make any sense, or your husband. But give it to someone else, right? Hey, yeah. hey Jen, I really don't trust the church, so I'm going to give you my tithe. <sighs> Jen's my wife. Now, here's the deal, okay, because I, I, I want to get through this, but I, I got I to stay here. Because bucket two messes us up because we do just enough to make us feel okay, but yet we're not fully vested with what God's word says. Now, here's the deal. Okay? Some of you make fun of me because I say, here's the deal, and, and other things. You guys, People have been impersonating me lately. Um, if you don't go fully into bucket three, you better step it up in your scarcity theology. I'm going to tell you something maybe no pastor's ever told you. If you're not going to trust what God's Word says, then you better go get a second job. And you better start shopping at Aldi and quit looking at SkyMaw. You better cut out everything that you can and and trim the fat financially and save up because if you ignore God and you say, no, I'm going to do it my way, but yet confess to be a follower, the holes in your pockets just keep getting bigger and bigger. And you're never going to catch up. I'm telling you, if you're going to have the scarcity ideology that what you have is going to run out, not just in your money, but in everything that you do, instead of saying that everything I have is God's, and I'm building God's kingdom, then you better get to work. You better be watching that 401k. You better be watching your stock markets and your investment. You, I mean, you can't like you can't say, hey, I'm, I'm going to stay over here and kind of manage my own thing and do it my own way, and then somehow expect God to give you all of these things that we're about to read. Because when it hits the fan and you're frustrated, you can't then shake your fist at heaven and say, God, well, no, no, no. It's on you, buddy. I've, I've asked you, I've chased you. How many times has Matt Miller got to tell you? But you still say no because I'm scared to death to do this because if I do that, it affects my bottom line. And if I do that, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't. So you're right. If you can't, I won't. Man, if I could just get you to trust God on this deal. If you follow me and my family around, we're tithe plussers, right? What's that mean? We, My wife and I, we tithe on any amount of money that we get. If it's a paycheck, if my mom Miller sends me $100, 10 of it's going is being given away. We, we're so crazy, we even tithe off our income tax return. Right? That's crazy, right? You're like, what? That's, yeah, we tithe off. Because why? We cannot give God. And God hasn't dropped us yet. 13 years of marriage, God hasn't dropped us yet. Following Jesus for 20 years, God hasn't dropped me yet. You just cannot give him. Now, I said tithe plus, And this is just what we do. You're welcome to follow our lead. 10%, no question asked, of everything we make comes back to New City. That's what we choose to do right? Anything above that, we get to do whatever we want. Like if we're given 13% of our income away, that 3%, I can do whatever we want with it. We might give it to you, might give it to the stranger, might just, we just have fun with that. It's God money, right? Just carry it around or we know we have access to it. And if we see somebody in need, hey, we want to give you this. That's, that's how, that's how we roll, right? Now, here's why we live like that. Luke six thirty-eight. This is Jesus speaking, so if you haven't, if you've had enough of Matt Miller and his opinion, let's get back to what Jesus says now. Jesus says, give and you won't have. Come on, come on, read with me. Give and you will. Okay, good. So that's what Jesus says. But, he, but it's not even that. It goes even deeper. Notice this. Je, this is Jesus, the Son of God, the author of truth, the one who saves us and redeems us. He says, your gift will return to you in full pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. You say, well, that's just your translation of the Bible. Well, fine, read another one. The idea is that when you give to God, he is not going to let you outgive him. Notice I didn't say if you go by that boat and you're trying to build your kingdom and build your wealth, build your assets and to make people drive by your house and go, wow. That's different when you're investing into God's kingdom. He's going to bless the snot out of you. Um, let's, let's skip Matthew six Let's look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. This is the one that's having the greatest impact on me right now. Paul writes this. He says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a gen- gener- generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous." Man, is that not just an interesting, powerful scripture about you and your money? About you and the things that you have control over? Can I make some observations with you from uh, 2 Corinthians 9? i got six of them here. Number one, if you want a bigger harvest, I'm a sow more seed. Anybody grow up on a farm? I grew up on a farm. Uh, all rice fields. That's not, not cows and chickens, uh, but rice. And if you plant one seed of rice, you get one stalk of rice. But at the head of that stalk is a lot of seed, right? But no farmer goes out and plants one seed. They plant so much seed that they need combines to take in the harvest. It's so, And then I don't know if you've ever seen a combine. If you ever have a chance, you ought to get a, ask somebody to let you ride a combine while they're cutting a harvest in the fall. It's fantastic, Right cut this stuff this thing's going it separates the the stuff out of the back throwing it out and it keeps the grain and at some point the really cool farmers what they do is the combine never stops he just keeps on keep, uh, harvesting in that rice and somebody's in a good john deere tractor pulls up beside him with his buggy and that combine swings its arm out and they both drive down the field at the same time and he's emptying and it's so cool it's awesome man and if they don't like each other they ram at each other they don't do it. i'm kidding they don't do that they don't do that that's expensive that's bad that's bad farming bad farming I went Luke Miller on you there for a little bit, you know. <laughs> but it's so fun, man, to go, that's bad farming, Ed. But, you know, it's fun to watch that happen. But th- they throw out all this seed, and then they get all this crop, right? And that's what Jesus said, or Paul says here. If you want a bigger harvest, then you've got to sow more, right? You've got to begin to look at, this is what Jen and I are currently messing with. And I'm not saying, we're this is like the tension in our marriage. Here's what, we, here's, here's what we're currently doing. We tithe, and then we pay our bills. And we take what's left over, and we take care of our debt reduction. And then if we meet somebody that has some need, we kind of take out of what we're paying to debt reduction, and we help somebody. Here's where God's messing with me on this one, okay, on this scripture, is that we're going to tithe, and then we're going to take care of our non-negotiable bills, and then we're going to look to see what needs we, God's making. Because, by the way, there's always needs, Right? And so it's saying, Lord, what do you want me to help do? Is there something are you making me aware of something? And then do our best to meet that need. And then if there's any left over at the end of the month, put that towards our debt reduction. Because God didn't ask me to go into debt. God didn't, it's not God's fault that I felt like I had to go do this for Jen or do this for me, or we had to go that do this over here. It's not God's fault. It's not God's fault we wanted a new refrigerator because the other one didn't make ice quick enough. It's not God's fault, right? And so I put I we have um, and it's not it's not like we've been watching Breaking Bad and went out and bought an RV and making drugs right it's not bad evil stuff thought about it to pay off our debt but we decided it wouldn't be the best bet right it's that it's that it's this sneaky stuff because it ha- listen we're, I feel like as far as in in my in my understanding I feel like we're in a good place with our tithe like we're not robbing from God if you read Malachi three ten we're not robbing from God. But I also think that we've got a little cheesy in our generosity. And so Jen and I are, are realigning our vision on what we think God's asking us to do with our wealth and our resources. Because I'm telling you, I think that as our kids get older, there's always going to be something new to buy. It's always going to be a new tablet or a new thing. And like, at what order am I going to put generosity? Here's what I was going to say earlier, and it slipped my mind, but I think it's so, so critical. He says in here, decide in your heart what you're going to give. Okay. I told you what we do. You have to decide on your heart. But here's a a sneaky bucket two thing that we do. Remember the first of the year I said this principle is God goes first. If you choose only to give 0.5%, if you choose just to give $1 a month, and that's all you're going to give, you give that as the first dollar. Here's what we do in bucket two. God, I'm going to give to you but I'm gonna first pay all my bills and then I'm gonna take care of some things that I need to take care of. And whatever I have left on the back end of this, my leftovers, that's what I'm gonna choose to be generous with. And I would say, let's be more intentional. God goes first. God has no desire for the leftovers of your life. This is a biblical principle that you'll see throughout the entire Bible of the first fruits and 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 the the idea of uh, giving the first offering of everything that you get. And so when you get that paycheck, that you know that the first thing that you're gonna give is you're gonna give it back to God in whatever way you choose right? You're just, it's like uh, Sunday is the first day of the week. We Sabbath on Saturday, we Sabbath on the weekend, and then God gets our first. And we come to church and we worship and we start our week off in the right possible way. Resurrection Sunday, we 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 worship and we give God the best that we have. In your money this week, whatever you choose to give, right, just give it first. No more leftover giving. Just make it the first thing that you do. Let's continue this. I get to decide. Number two, the observation, I get to decide how much to give. Paul says, decide in your heart. Number three, don't do so reluctantly or don't do so with uh, being guilt-tripped or pressured into it. For God loves a cheerful giver. So God loves it when I give with a smile. How many of you guys had that generous grandma? Mine was Granny Esther. Oh, my goodness. Anybody else have a generous grandmother? Right? Oh, my goodness. She was so generous. Like, if I went to her house, I was either getting money or food. I knew it every time. Right? And then Granny died and I got stuck with Papa Pete. <laughs> How many of you guys had a Papa Pete? That he would give it to you be like, oh, gosh, this is killing me. This is killing me. It just, it just, Granny's like, woo, making it rain, you know, giving money everywhere. And Papa Pete's like, oh, gosh, this is this five, this five, this. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, good gravy. Papa, you got more money than you know what to do with. They've both gone on to be with the Lord, both believers, both followers of Jesus, both but different when it came to money. One gave cheerfully, one you thought I was going to kill him. God bless them. I like Granny more than Papa. Mm-hmm. And they both knew it, so it's not like I'm, like, confessing something to you, right? Number four, number four, God will supply my needs and give me extra as I help others. See, this is where I'm messing with a little bit. I would have thought that God would supply my needs and we think give extra so that I can store up savings. No, God gives you extra when he knows you're going to help other people. See, God knows what you're going to do before you do it. And so if your focus is on building your own kingdom, why would God give you extra? But if you're about helping other people and seeing how you can bless folks, then I think, God, I think what you might find when you begin to be a blessing in the world in which you live, that you might find it weird how God begins to bring extra resources your way because he knows he can trust you with them. Number five, God is my provider. Here's your generosity prompt for the night, okay? Here's your generosity prompt. No matter what you do for the rest of the night, give God credit for it. When you, if you have children and you pick your kids up out of Kid City, God, thank you for my kids, when you get in the car, even if you hate your car, God, thank you for the fact that I have a car to drive, right? Hey, God, thank you that we have this facility to be able to worship in, right? Father, thank you for my friends that are here. Thank you for, if you were able to go out and have dinner tonight, God, thank you. Uh, thank you for that I have the resources to sit down and have food. If you're going to go home and eat leftovers, thank you that this food's edible, right? Just whatever it is, right? Just have an attitude of gratitude. Notice what it says, that for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat like it's all from God. And when you begin to see everything in life as a gift from God, it really begins to change your your thinking. Number 6. God gives to me so that I can always be generous. Man, I love this one. Notice this last scripture. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. You cannot outgive God. You just simply cannot outgive him. He won't let you I thought, fun, uh, tonight, uh, Clay Nairn, he and his wife Lisa went to Fonterra's after uh, after church this morning, and they went to pay their bill, and Greg Peterson was sneaky and paid for it before them. Another guy who attends here, he'd been over there with a guy named Roger, and so he bought the Nairns uh, lunch, which was awesome, Right. But Lisa was so inspired by that that there was a table sitting next to them, a family of six, four little kids. And Clay said, man, the kids were well-behaved, and they even noticed they blessed their food before they ate. And Lisa said, I want to pay for their food. Right? And uh, Clay said, the waitress was like, what's going on? Right? (laughs) This is crazy. You guys some better tips still. All right? I get this. (laughs) I get this. But, you know, the, uh, Michelle and uh, Mike, they were at Taco Bell last week, and uh, you guys might have read that on Facebook after we talked about the four phases of love, and they go to pay for their food, and it wasn't as good as Frontera's Mexican food, but it was still good Mexican food, right? I mean, so, but some, they, somebody paid you know, and it was just, it was timely for them. Like the ways of that generosity just blesses people. You can't out give God. He will enrich you so that you can always be a blessing for someone else. But again, if your idea is, hey, God, give me more so that I can build my kingdom. I don't think God will resource that. But if you're like, you know what? I'm going to give and I'm going to give and I'm going to give and I'm going to be a blessing to people. I think you might find it really, really fun. I to about the band to come back up, and man was the worship team not really good this this, this, this afternoon? Just the first two songs but they did a great job and um, we 're going to do two more songs, and we 're going to have communion in a moment but um, here 's the last point: each time you give it is an opportunity for worship. man, this is really really key guys. if you give by texting or you give by the app or if you drop money into the plate or a check into the offering bucket, whatever it is don't let that moment skip by you don't be just punching buttons and don't just be like like when you drop that in there let it be god this is this is my offering father this is me putting you first jesus i love you this much god thank you that i'm able to give but it's an act it's an act of worship it's like if you were here the first two songs and you kind of just were standing here like you were here but you weren't man don't let that happen this time this is an opportunity to give God praise and gratitude for who he is in your life. We're going to take communion in just a moment. And tonight we're going to do it a little different in the fact that I'm not going to lead you through it. This is me leading you through it right now. And so when the band starts in a few moments, I'm going to, we have two tables, one in the front, I mean two in the front, two in the back, and go get you a, a cup and the, and the bread. And when you're ready in the worship, take communion on your own. But, but here's what communion is. And I'll start it like this. Aren't we grateful that Jesus was extremely generous? And that he gave 100% of his life and not like 3%, like here, take a pinky, you know? He gave every bit of his life for you and I. Now, I don't want to just breeze past this so that we can get into this worship song. I've got a, a young lady from Vietnam who's staying with us. Her name is Zen. And she's really helped me slow down and make sure that I process things right because she has zero biblical foundation. And sometimes I think we make the assumption that you know what I know, or you know, I know, you know what your neighbor knows, or maybe you don't. But here's what took place. It was the last few days of Jesus' life, and Jesus knew that his destination was the cross. Because all throughout the Old Testament, there is this idea that there has to be a sacrifice to be the atonement for the sins of the people. And that's what Jesus has called God's perfect lamb, the lamb of God. And Jesus knew that his destiny was to come and to give his life for the ransom of all of us. And so as they approach this Passover, he's got sitting at a table and he's got his best buddies around him. And he picks up a, a loaf of bread and he breaks it. And then he begins to distribute it. And as he passes it out to the guys sitting around the table, he says, men, he says, this bread is going to represent my body, which is going to be broken for you. Now at the time they didn't understand it because Jesus was fine sitting right there with them around the table. But he says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be bruised, but I am not going to tap out and I'm not going to quit. And I'm not going to say stop because I want you to know that I love you and I'm going to be broken for your benefit. And so every time from now on, whenever you take a piece of bread, whether it's at church or you're out to dinner and you and you and you feel bread, I want you to be reminded of my sacrifice for you. So tonight in a moment when you walk up to these tables, there's a little piece of bread. And what that is a reflection of is how Jesus loved you so much that he didn't stop the beatings. He didn't say quit, he didn't say I was just kidding, I'm really not the son of God. He endured. But it didn't stop at the beatings. He then took a cup. For them it was wine, we got juice for you. And he took the cup and he said, this cup from now on is a reflection of my blood that's going to be shed for you. And this is the gospel. That this perfect lamb, this Jesus, went to a cross and he gave up his life. And as the blood drained from his body through the nail holes in his arms, and or in his hands and his feet, as the spear went into his side, that, that blood was a symbol that the atonement was done, that your sins are forgiven. Now, this is really key because some of you even here today that know the Jesus story, you're, you come into this room feeling guilty about maybe choices or decisions or actions that you've made. And the truth is this, in the, under the blood of Christ, you've been forgiven. And so when you take that cup tonight, it's not about what you've done or what you haven't done. It's about what Jesus did for us. And so we say, Jesus, thank you for your blood that was shed for me. And I'm not making a mockery of your blood. It's not that your blood was was not good enough for my sins. My sins are, oh, way, they're way too bad for your blood. Your sins are not bigger than Jesus' sacrifice. And so no matter how bad that is, you say, Lord, thank you for your sacrifice. And when I take this cup, I am reminded... That I believe that you live, I believe that you died, and I believe that you resurrected from the grave, and you are the reason and the sole reason that I get to talk to the Father because I've been saved by the blood of Christ. Man, it's not just bread, and it's not, it's, man, it's extreme generosity that while we were still in our mess, while we were still jacked up, while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. The third commandment is, do not take the Lord's name in vain. That's way more than not saying GD. It's a reflection of how you represent God with your life. And when we take communion tonight, let's take the Lord's name with such authority and such love and such respect. We have that bread and we have that cup. We say, Jesus, thank you. We remember and it impacts how we live our lives out there in the world. It doesn't just stop right here in this moment. It continues on. Amen. Amen. So would you guys stand with me this evening? I want to pray for you, and I want to honor God through his sacrifice. So Jesus, thank you that you were so generous with your life and how you healed and how you blessed, that you were so generous on the cross that you gave all. And Father, I just ask that tonight as we take these elements, these reminders, that it would spur us on to continue to live for you because you died for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.